When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Tripe Supper, Gazette Borough's Middlesbrough Football Club podcast. What a load of tripe. It's almost a week on since Ito Karanka left his role as, as Middlesbrough manager. I'm joined by Jonathan Taylor, Phil Tantire and Anthony Vickers to look back on, on Karanka's time in charge and, and the many ups and downs. Vic, um, obviously the last couple of months did get, did get a little bit messy and it, and it felt inevitable in the end. But when the dust settles, how do you think Karanka will be remembered? Uh, I think it'll be uh, his legacy will be a very positive one. Uh, there's a lot of teams try for a lot of years to get out of the championship and Ito Karanka built the team... Uh, fit for purpose to do just that it was a, a long slog he knew exactly what he wanted he put all the pieces into place he created a culture of incremental improvement at the club and he delivered uh, every season you know year on year when when he sat down with the, uh, at his end, end of uh, his annual appraisal he can tick all the boxes he met all his targets it took you know three years of progress followed by three months of uh, uh, of a slump uh, that turned sour very quickly and I think there was an air of inevitability uh, in, in that last few months uh, mainly it has to be said for things that were going wrong off the scenes as much as, as on the pitch Phil I think the frustration from Karanga's point of view once, once he, you know, he kind of does get away from it and he, he did to me look like the man who, who needed a break come the end of his time at the club is that you know, it's not like he came up to the Premier League and he was out of his depth and Borough were out of the depth it, you know, come Christmas time, Borough looked in, to be in a position that, of stability and they looked, to be honest, as though they, they could still rather comfortably. I guess the frustration for him is how, in the last two or three months, Borough went, went on a slump, really, and, and it got to the point when he left as, as relegation looked nailed on. Yeah, I th- the first thing I'd say is that the shelf life of a manager in this day and age, I think, is starting to look like three and a half, four years tops. The pressures of the job, the intensity of the job from the, from, from, from the outside, from Sky, from ourselves, from the media, from the fans as well, social media. The game's changed. The days of you having managers there for 10, 12, 15 years, you know, with the exception of Wenger and Ferguson, they, they, that's going or indeed gone. Um, I think if he's honest with himself and looks back, he, he did achieve good things here. And I think, I think it has to be said that he was good for Middlesbrough. But I think Middlesbrough were good for him as well. He found the perfect blend. He had a he had a chairman that was going to give him time to learn how to be a manager, on the job, so to speak. He, 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 he from everything we've heard about his training ground work with the players, he was a fantastic training ground operator. I think probably the the area where he needs to improve, or definitely the area he needs to to improve, is probably communication. I think a manager who, who who rules by you do it my way or the highway. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has a shelf life. And I think you can do it more at a club that can win at every level they step onto. Now, Middlesbrough aren't going to win every week in the Premier League, and I think that kind of style of management that he had 
grows very tiring when you're not in the team and the team's losing. Yeah. And I think that's when you start losing players within the squad. And, and it's no different than any other manager. He had his favourites as well, which we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about. I think he's got to learn the lessons of, of, of that side of things, of being, being a little bit more flexible. You can't treat one player exactly the same as the, the guy he sits next to because everyone's different. I think the other thing, the disappointment for me was as well, and I think we probably all have a little bit of, uh, share this as well, is that... There was an opportunity there. He seemed to me the kind of guy who I'd like to talk to away from the football side of things. He he, he embraced living in England. He's, he travelled to America. He he you know he was the sort of player who when he went to Newcastle to to, to play in a UEFA Cup tie, he kept his Newcastle brown bottle. He's clearly a, a guy who's intelligent who wants to embrace new cultures. And I really wanted to sit and talk to him about what it was like working and living in England. And he didn't. He kept us at arm's length. Now that's his choice. But his inability to engage the media, really any level of media, while he was here, other than really the times when he put, you know, he invited the big hitters down from the national press, was it? I think is a lesson he needs to learn because when he when he needed our help, and we we by any we didn't by any means stick the knife in, but we could have probably made. You know, if he if he talked to us a little bit more and explained explained the problems he was having behind the scenes with a few players, without naming names, a, a good manager knows when to 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 appeal for a little bit of patience. A and not bit of help. not just the, st- the stuff of the players, but also selling the idea of a rigid approach tactically, mm. which was allowed in some ways it was allowed to fester, and that became uh, a stick to beat him with. And he never really expounded his philosophy in mm. the way like Tony Mowbray. You know, he would talk all day about why he did this and why he did that and how he approaches it in his football utopia. Uh, Ito Karanka never really did that. And we know that Rafa Benitez, for example, does speak to the press off the record at Newcastle and explains why player X isn't in the squad. I think very quickly and finally was his inability to change tactically. I think he pretty much went into the Premier League with the system that had worked for him in the Championship. Keep things tight and nick a goal. Uh, that's a vast oversimplification, but really, that's that's how he set the team up. It's not working in the. It didn't. It clearly after, as you said, looked fine up till Christmas, and then I think that the team started losing belief, lost a couple of players. It was always going to be about keeping the best players on the pitch this season. You lose a friend, Downing was out of favour. Ramirez got his head turned, and suddenly three or four of your key players aren't delivering on the pitch. So that's a lesson he needs to learn as well. John, uh, Vic touched about, uh, touched on um, how it did feel inevitable come the end, and, and how, and I think we've all touched on this since he'd gone. How it was, even though Borough hadn't won in ten when he left, it was more what what had gone on off the pitch which contributed to to his departure. When were the first signs for you that maybe things were starting to go pear shaped? Um, in January, probably the comments about the fans was was an early one. I mean, it's, it shouldn't have been a surprise really because we always said that. Borough's fate this season, and certainly Aitor Granta's fate this season, was all going to be about how he, he handles pressure in, in adversity and defeat. And we saw last season that yeah, it, we could go back a year, couldn't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. First example. Yeah, like obviously this is a guy who's won you know everything there is to win as a player. He's constantly been on the winning side. He's you know he he walks the Bernabeu corridors and, and he expects everyone to be at that level. And it was always never going to be the case like that at Borough. He was going to have to face some pretty kind of disappointing uh, times and. I thought that's obviously what happened, you know, with the whole bust up last season and, and this season we all sat around and said how Aitor Karanka deals with defeat and adversity is gonna dictate how he gets on this season. And he relatively before Christmas they were okay, weren't they? They were bang on target and he always had the thing of, Well, I've got the four or five point buffer over the relegation. Um, we are where we should be. So the pressure wasn't 
on him as much. But when that started getting eaten, you know, eaten away and eaten away, and then he saw his January targets fall, then the erratic behaviour started for me. And then he obviously had a, he turned on the fans a little bit. He started questioning, well, the the hierarchy certainly with the transfers. Then he he had the bizarre kind of running with his medical staff about George Friend, and then he turned on a couple of the players. And and the last straw obviously was a Stuart Downing, Patrick Bamford comments. And once you start alienating all different types of people around the club. Unfortunately, the easiest way is that you're going to get plucked out of your position and put as well. It happened really quickly as mm. well because, I mean, Phil and, and, and myself both spoke to the chairman the week before, and the message coming out there was we always expected to be in the bottom three at some point. We're mentally prepared for it. Uh, we're going to hold our nerve. And then there was the, the, the booing at Stoke, and that kind of prodded a, a, a reaction. And the reaction, I think, was the right one, which was. Uh, banging the heads together, everyone cleared the got got things off their chest. That the chairman spoke to the players, the players spoke to the manager, and then there was this show of unity. And we, we all went, you know, they went out to, for a meal. Uh, there was there was a quiz, which clearly was a lot more competitive than we thought it was. Uh, and there was a lot of talk that week of unity, and all the players were saying, "Yeah, we, we know we're in we're in a, a fix. We're all in this together." And everyone was confident they could dig their way out of it. And then the very next press conference after that when the pressure got to Eitor and he lashed out and he, he named and shamed two individuals and the, the whole facade of unity collapsed. And it, it happened in, in the space of 48 hours. Phil, I've, I've seen a, f- a few talk about how you know, when, when he gets away from it all and he'll learn from his mistakes. Will he? Well, is, is he the type who, who can do that? Or, or the, the word that is often used to describe him tactically is stubborn. Is that the same... As, as when he looks back and kind of looks at the mistakes that, that you're obviously going to make it's his first job in management yeah. and he did a very good job at it I think like all of us he's a bundle of contradictions isn't he on one hand he's very open minded he travels he, as I say he went, to, he went to America as a player because he wanted a new experience he, he turned down opportunities to come to England and to other clubs in Spain um, and, and he, the Middlesbrough project he bought into so he was very open-minded he bought into Steve Gibson's vision he turned down a job at Crystal Palace in the Premier League because he again a lot of self-awareness there he realized he wasn't up to that job I think I think he realized that was too much of a hornet's nest to jump into in your first job um, and then and yet there was this there was this, this inability to change and yet he said didn't he in every press conference you know, when he's asked, you know, are you learning? You know, have you learned lessons from today's victory or defeat? He'll say, you learn every day. The day you stop learning is the t- the day to give up. So he talked to talk about learning and learning from experiences, but I'm not sure he was able, probably through his inability to maybe relate to people. I think I think the the, the thing that takes out of it, John is absolutely right. The moment the pressure came on him, he buckled. He buckled after the Rotherham match and even before that the Blackburn match and reacted in a very bad way. You know to. It, pretty much picked a fight with his own players and that ended up with him walking out ahead of a massive match so there was a signal that he struggles with pressure um, bizarrely as we know because he played for Real Madrid he must have had intense pressure as a player and then there was a lot of examples as John O'Reilly off earlier again of this season where the moment there's been a bit of pressure he hasn't reacted well so he's got to learn about that and he's got to learn about tactics but you're absolutely right what will make or break him as a manager is whether he sits down when the dust settled as a quiet drink with his friend or whoever with Jose whoever it happens to be a confidant somebody because he, he, he surrounded himself at Middlesbrough let's not, not, not forget by people who were yes men but I'm not saying he couldn't talk to someone like Juan Jovi uh, 
of Victor Auto, but by and large he was in charge and we saw the reaction, didn't we, of the way people interacted with him. They were, they were working for him and he, he called the shots. Now, I think he needs to be humble enough moving forward to, 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 to embrace the good things and the bad things and, and think, right, if I'm going to be a good manager at a big club again, because Burr is a big club, let's not forget, £100 million coming at the club this year. He needs, he needs to be able to, make, to, to deal with, with, with success and failure. And, and at the moment, I'm not sure he can do that. I agree, Phil. I think the only way in life that someone can learn or change is if they understand what went wrong. And, and what you hear from the, the inner workings of the Karanga camp is that he doesn't understand what went wrong or why things were an issue. That was the thing. He was aware of it. I mean, after the, the Stoke game, he was aware of the fans' frustration, but he didn't understand it. Because all of a sudden, the, the kind of the narrative from from his camp kind of went. Well, of course, Borough in the bottom three. What? Why? Why are the fans bothered? Like, of course we are. We haven't spent any money in January. That's how the narrative changes. And I think that increasingly towards his end dates, that narrative was moulded into whatever protected him the most. So where were you were three. Where, remember where we were three years ago. And that, I don't that came out a lot, didn't it? Maybe too much. Too maybe much, in time yeah. he will yeah. understand and he will reflect. Mm. But at the minute, I mean, there was no signs from my dealings with him that he understood what what well, well, Vic, 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 just just very quickly, Vic, Vic made the, point, the the correct point about the, the throwing the unity, the idea of unity under the bus by name in Bamford and and down even before that. Well, when he was interviewed by BT Sport um, about the lack of goals, and he said, we, do, we don't have a £50 million strike or something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that now, but that was the gist of what he said. How do people, he was pretty much saying, how do people expect us to score goals? We haven't got a £30, £40, £50 million striker. Now, again, that's not the thing to be saying before a big match, because you're already putting it out there that you're not getting the support. Even if he meant it, it didn't mean it derogatorily towards the chairman. It's still the wrong thing to be saying on national television the moment you're going into a massive game against Manchester City because, again, it's a slight against the chairman. And whatever else you say about Steve Gibson, he'll struggle to get a better chairman than Steve Gibson in his managerial career. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, I was just going to... I think it's perhaps a bit harsh to portray him as someone who's buckled under pressure and uh, surrounded by yes-men in, in that sense. I, I think... He's created an ideological structure around him, and that's a deliberate and conscious thing. He wants everyone that in the organisation has to understand what the aims of the organisation are and what the mechanics of the organisation are, and that's a very. It's a way that you can produce success. Uh, there may be a slight element of maybe the Catholicism is in there, a little bit of. Uh, uh, Jesuit zeal around the project and everyone has to believe it and I, I think the problem is that it's not so much that he can't deal with pressure he doesn't have a mechanism to, for, to deal with dissent and there's like the religious thing is you know if someone doesn't agree with a particular tactic it's almost like heresy mm. and that's why I think he, he tried to isolate people and is that why you rankled with the local press as well I, I think possibly that is Be, because, because we couldn't we couldn't understand why, why he was obsessed with us I, I think a, a regional newspaper I, I think there is a little bit of zealotry in there and I, and I can understand and I, I can see the logic of that you've got to have discipline and a sense of unity about the purpose and also I think he wanted people to believe it now most footballers have been in several different clubs, played with different, different style managers, different tactics, and they're probably essentially pragmatic. They come into a team, they do the job they're told to, but they don't necessarily believe it. And I think what that was the problem with the man management issue that everyone pe people raise, oh, he doesn't like certain people who speak out. Yes, not because of the action of speaking out, 
but I think it's the idea that you don't get the message. You're, you're not just don't get it, but are opposing it. And if you're ideologically driven, mm. then even the slightest show of dissent mm. is heresy, fact, and it has a, to be cut out. A manager, which who, is why he isolated the likes of Muzzy Carrier, not because he wasn't a good player, but because you know his body language wasn't. He didn't look like he was believing why he was doing these drills, and with with Albert Adoma. Light-hearted approach. That's not what you want. You know, you you've got to. You've got Pai Kamara. You've got to show me that you appreciate why we're doing this, and I want to believe that you believe one hundred percent. So it's dissent rather than pressure that I think the problem was. I think that's an interesting point as well because this guy is. I mean, one thing you cannot fault is how driven he is. You know, how single-minded he is, and how determined he was. And and I think obviously when you, you go back to his very early days at Bury, you know, he he moved over to a country and, and he told his family to stay away because he said I'm going to be a hundred percent obsessed with Borough for the, certainly the first few months but I don't think that ever left him out I, I imagine he's the kind of guy that goes home and, and constantly thought about Borough constantly you know, 24-7 and I think that I mean I, I, you probably look at other people and that frustration is do you do, you, do other people do that well he, he acknowledged that a couple of times a couple of times he said that he, he perhaps I can't remember there was one game and, and then there was one press conference where That's he said Wolves. yeah perhaps one of his problems is the fact he expects everyone yeah. to reach the level of, of dedication and, and, the, and the standards that he sets. And, and I guess yeah. when, you, when, a, when you're working in the championship, it's why I think you've got to admire when players, when players like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank go down and make a success of, say, the Burton job. Because to work with players, and, and you'd obviously get so frustrated at, you know, these can't do what, what I could do mm-hmm. when I was a player. Um, so you can kind of understand yeah. that frustration just moving it on um, Phil you touched on it a bit earlier about where he goes next and, and John or you did a piece with, with some Spanish reporters who touched on it um, there was a suggestion that maybe it's not back to Spain which I think is just the automatic assumption that he'll go back and get a La Liga job what, what, what level would you see him going in at now and, and, and in what country I guess I think just how he's perceived in Spain obviously we, we John has looked at has talked to some Spanish journalists and I don't know. It feels like the vibe is that he's being harshly dealt with um, by Middlesbrough. Over that—that's the view over there. It'd be interesting to see how he's perceived in England. I think very different people with very different achievements. But it's a bit like some, when somebody says, "I'm guessing from 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 fans of clubs outside this area that if you were linked with Aitor Karanka, the reaction might be the same as if you were linked a few years ago with Gary Megson. Oh, he doesn't." His team's pragmatic. It's not very entertaining. Um, he's, he's had far more success, though. Shouldn't no, he? I'm not suggesting he's anywhere near. I'm not. I want to say, well, well, maximum promotion. Yeah, no. The point I'm making is the point I'm making is his name amongst English fans. I think largely because of things like Match of the Day and Sky Sports. You know, but I think he's known as a guy whose teams don't score goals and lack charisma. Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just I'm trying to look at it from from the outside perspective, and I think I think he would struggle to get. Another Premier League job. I'm not saying he wouldn't. I think it's about where he, where he pictures himself and what he sees that he's done. And what what I think he will see is first season kept the team up that looked like they were going down. Second season got to Wembley. Third season promotion. Fourth season, seventy percent of the way looked like it was a success. So I, I think he will be thinking his next step is up. Maybe not by much, but up. And you've got to remember that Borough in the top 30 richest clubs in the world. So I think that's where he will be thinking that he should be going into that next clutch of, of, mm. of teams. It might be that that's a, 
another team in the Premier League. It might be a team mid-ranking in Spain, maybe maybe Olympiacos, maybe Turkey, maybe Germany. I couldn't Germany. see him going back into the Championship, for example. No, I don't I think know. you want that experience but again. I, I think mentally and emotionally, he will be thinking that he's... Ne- having succeeded, having ticked all these boxes at Middlesbrough, that his next move is up. And see, the next step see up. for me, the big trouble a manager like him... And the same thing that Steve McLaren had when he left Middlesbrough is you don't get the same setup elsewhere. You don't, the chances of finding a chairman will give you more than 18 months to prove yourself is virtually nil now. Yeah, so, so you got, you, it you, so might you, be you, that he will you struggle. Go to, you go to hypothetically a Bournemouth or a Watford or a, or a Norwich or a, yeah. a club's either side of the, the promotion relegation divide. If, 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 he starts, if he went somewhere now and started next season moderately, he'd be out on his ear. Yeah, when, I, when I, I agree with that, for but a, I think he will be looking at yeah. that. And yeah. he, will have, he, he will have, Jose will be fighting his corner and he, he's cultivated some of the big hitters in the press here. They will be fighting his corner and he, he'll produce his stats with his 50% win rate. That's not bad. No, no. And peop, other clubs might not look at the descent and the fact that it was a bit dull for the last six months. But they'll just look at the, the, at the reality, which is that he's took that, the team from being you know, languishing to being in top 30 richest clubs when, in the world. when teams are looking for a new manager usually it's either their manager's gone elsewhere or they're in a bit of a decline they're conceding goals and they need someone to come in now if you're a team that's conceding a lot of goals and need your defence plugging people might think there's no one better than Aitor Karanka in terms of being a defensive coach so I don't think he'll, he'll struggle to get a job I think it's entirely it would be fascinating to see what he feels is the right step for him. I don't think he'll be short of offers anywhere, whether well, it be England or two or three, hasn't he? Why whether it's England it? or Spain, yeah, exactly. The, the well, feeling I think in it's Spain. Easy to think England and Spain, but I do think Vic, you touched on Olympiacos there. Uh, you know, I, I don't expect him to go to Turkey, but I would, I would think it'd be Turkish club. clubs we'll, as well we'll as, as yeah, who'd be, who'd be interested. Turkey, Greece. Germany, I'm not so sure, I, I, but those sort of yeah. bigger. And I clubs, think what you do when you do the, that, not what you'd automatically, yeah, think. especially bearing in mind you, you said he's open to new experiences. Yeah. I think the problem so. is, I think you're absolutely right. That 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 necessarily that could tick a box. I think his problem would be you do go into those jobs. It's a, it's a relatively short shelf life. Yeah. And suddenly, before you know it, you've got three clubs in six years. And and as a as a man with a young family, I think you're right. I think I think he still wouldn't you know be looking at a similar project to he's just had, well, where he can base himself. But every every every, man, every manager exactly, is, yeah. has an eighteen yeah, course, shelf yeah, life, yeah. and I, yeah, no, I think the, the perception in Spain is that he was. It always used to be that he was Mourinho's puppet, and he basically didn't have a voice, and and he did whatever. And that that's the thing that's been torn up. That's the feeling over over in Europe is that Carranca has now found his voice. He's found his voice. Yes, he he kind of he had some setbacks in his first job, but he also had a lot of great success. So I think a lot of people will look at Aitor Carranca with a little bit of intrigue. And whoever needs a defensive a defensive drilled manager to shore up a back line. We'll go straight away. Right it's a real shame that it's a real shame that the last two or two and a half months have happened because because in, in November December he he was on and Borough were on course for the perfect solution. They would they would stay up comfortably. He'd probably move on to his next job. A big I would have said if he if that had happened it would be a big step up. You know I thought I could I, I could have seen. For most of Aitor Karanka's reign, him leaving Middlesbrough to go to one of your top four or five Spanish clubs with his reputation as a player, as a coach, his international experience as a, as a coach. And I think he's probably set his career back a year, 18 months in just a couple of months, which is a shame for all of us because we, want, we wanted this season to finish with Borough 
established in the Premier League. I still I, do. Yeah, <laughs> we still do, but obviously with the same manager as well. And I think the outcome's been that both the club and and Aitor have potentially taken a big step back just really since New Year's Day. And that's 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 really regrettable for everybody. It's interesting though, John, the way you say that the, the view in Spain, obviously when you're in the bubble, you, you focus on the last two or three months, whereas when those outside it look at the bigger picture and they look at the fact that Borough were languishing in the Championship. I know I'm, I'm, sing, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in Karanka and Jose's language now, but they were languishing in the Championship and he has took a side of promotion. So, like you started, Vic, and, and when you started, when the dust settles, you'll look back and you'll think, well, the club's in a far better position. Perhaps those out of the bubble will, will do exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 no, I, <laughs> I thought that was just going to be a sign. I thought that was you saying No, no, it wasn't no, I, think, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think when, you know, because speechless, there, <laughs> there aren't too many managers around who, who, who were, I mean, I know he's had a setback, but are on the up. I mean, there are a huge amount of positives with Aitor Karanka in terms of, you know, his, his, his tension to detail, his, his, his what he's achieved so far, what, you know, what, what he did at this club, his, his, his links, he's got, you know, he's built his network of, he knows people all over Europe. Um, and it goes back to what we were saying before. He asked if he can learn from his mistake, because, you know, the, 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 the 5 or 10% improvement he needs to make. From, from, from what he's learned at Middlesbrough he could be a, a phenomenally successful manager um, but I think his next job is going to be vitally important isn't it because you know if you're coming off the back of, a, of leaving a club um, you don't want your next one to be a short term you know Steve McLaren goes from 20 to Wolfsburg and he's sacked within a few months and then his career never really recovered from that and I think, I think Aitor's situation is he needs another good Good, good couple of years under on his CV now. Moving on from this, but I think you're right. I think I think that there will be opportunities out there because good managers are hard to find. Very quickly, then, just before we wrap up, just to go around, I've seen it, a few kind of questions put out in the last week on his on his best signing and the best game over his time in charge. Um, Vic, you did the survey that's on our website now, where where you're asking kind of best signing and best game in charge. Where did it go wrong for him? That sort of thing. Who do you want to replace him? On the subject of the signing, uh, Adam Clayton's a name I've seen mentioned a lot. Would you would you go with that? Patrick Bamford, Gaston Ramirez in January last year. I think they're all, they're all good shouts for different reasons. Uh, I, I think Clayton, in terms of steady progress, has pretty much gone all the way along the project. Uh, lasted the course in a in a culture where you're tested to destruction, uh, stepped up and he looks comfortable at, at this level. I know he has his detractors, but for me that's probably the, the solid uh, underpinning of, of the whole project. But you can always, you know, it's the eye-catching ones that, that you, people will pick out. Uh, Pat, Patrick Bamford was a superb signing on loan because he got the goals that, that gave us a fantastic season, got us to Wembley, uh, the, the cup matches. And that was... That was a time when Borough, you know, for all the talk of Vitor Karanka's functionality, that season, Borough played some fantastic football. Jono? I think, um, I think Gaston Ramirez is a name that's, that's an interesting one. I think just for his loan spell, I thought that at a time when he came in, they signed him on the back of back-to-back defeats at, Brist- at Bristol City and I think home at Nottingham Forest. Um, they were struggling, the, the buffer was kind of ma- massively diminishing. I thought that he came in and played an absolutely pivotal role in, in them actually getting over the line. Uh, you could look this season, I mean, he could argue with Victor Valdez. I mean, Borough would be in a far worse position this season than there would have been without Victor Valdez. And actually, if you look at Valdez, he, he's had a fantastic season. I know it's difficult to stomach that Borough is second bottom, but I think he's, he's bang up there with the players of the season for me. Uh, Patrick Bamford the first time round for me he made a massive impact and I think Borough wouldn't have got anywhere near the, 
Well, would they got the? You could argue that Borough would have struggled to finish where they finished without his goals that season. You think of that? For me, the goal at Derby summed him up. Uh, great ball, th- th- great through ball, some lovely footwork and finish to to, to edge a tight game. He, he was he was a class player in a good team. And and finally, before we wrap up, um, if there was one game, now be it for a, a good reason or a bad reason, if, if there was one game that you'll remember, I talk Ranker's time in charge by, what would it be? Um. On a negative, I, I've, I can just hear Frank Sinatra's New York, New York, still buzzing in my eardrums from Rotherham. Now that's obviously a negative thing. I think that was just because it was so loud. I, it's still, I can still hear it. I remember that season, the most enjoyable game under I Talk Rank was away at Ipswich, when obviously Newton scored. Uh, I think it was Stewie Downing involved as well. I think he might have scored. And Borough never went at Ipswich. So that was one, for me, that was one of the most enjoyable games. And, and the smile on Cranker's face, he was the hoodoo breaker, wasn't he, at that point? Yeah, Millwall, quickly, Millwall 5-1, I think it was. But uh, I'll probably go for the Brentford semi-final at the yeah. Riverside. That yeah, was that a fantastic was fa- fantastic occasion. A negative game, I'd have to go back to the playoff final. I think eight off rows on the day and got everything wrong. Uh, Brentford semi-final, yes. Uh, Brighton away, the 3-0 win. Yeah, that they were, they probably were, the best performance. They were top of the table, they were unbeaten at home and Borough absolutely dismantled them. Yeah. And that was the point where I think everyone else in the division sort of looked at Borough and thought, hey, they're favourites now. It was a complete team display. Um, that was exactly what Karanka was looking to put onto the, onto the, the pitch. Uh, negative ones, Stoke wasn't very nice, was it? It's never, the, the booing was, was uh, uh, you know, the mood music changed dramatically that day and you know it's a sad way to go excellent well, thanks a lot fellas much appreciated and like i say that survey on karanka's time in charge is on our website now cheers <laughs>